Praise the Lord, church. I'm just happy to be here with you uh, this morning. I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come and sit before your word. I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts. Lord, you know I have nothing to say, but I pray that uh, you would speak tonight and you would just uh, teach us and mold us and shape us. Uh, we just put this whole uh, sermon into your hands. Amen. All right, I have a confession to make. You know, I preach, uh, I've been preaching here at this church for uh, about five years, and uh, there's usually a good amount of time in between my sermons, so I essentially say the same exact joke uh, every time I start my sermons, and uh, uh, the only people that actually know that is the pastors, because they, you know, they analyze my manuscript every time, they make sure I'm not saying anything heretical, uh, and, and just for your knowledge, nine times out of ten, there's nothing heretical being said. Uh, whenever there is, they'll correct it and they'll, they'll make sure it sounds right. Uh, and they know because they're always involved in the joke. But the issue is I just preached a couple months ago, so it would be really awkward for me to say the same joke because some of you would start to pick up on it. But, you know, usually I'll say something like, you know, it's really crazy that I'm preaching today. It's like having Will Perdue shoot a three-point shot when you have the Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen of preaching sitting right here. Or I'll say something like, uh, hey, it's really weird for me to be preaching today. It's like having Kel Kyle Kendrick preach when you have the uh, Cole Hamels or the, uh, 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 I can't even remember his name. I don't even know. Cliff Lee of Preachers <laughs> preach, uh, uh, sitting right here. So anyway, I'm not going to say that joke. But it is really crazy that <laughs> I'm preaching today when you have like the LeBron James and Dwayne Wade of Preachers sitting right here. That's even more awkward since they don't even play together anymore. Uh, but I'm really excited to preach and share with you uh, the scripture. I know that there was actually some brothers in this church that were really excited that I would be preaching from this scripture, this whole concept of judge not lest you be judged, um, specifically because they feel like I can be a little bit judgmental. I know that sounds crazy, right? Uh, but, you know, I have a tendency to be very direct and very black and white, and so I really just say what's on my mind and so people are hoping that I would, you know, take in the scripture and it would really help to soften me. And I always tell folks that, hey, look, I speak very directly. And if you're ever confused about what I'm saying, it's likely because you're a confused individual and not because I was not clear. And so, you know, let's look at the scripture and really begin to see how it might apply to myself. Because I admit that there are times when we have leadership meetings and someone will make a statement and I'll essentially say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Or as I see some of my brothers walking around after playing tackle football with torn ACLs and taking off from work, I may or may not have walked right up to them and said, you are an idiot. <laughs> and so now they're hoping that, Lord, please, as he was preparing to preach this scripture, work in his heart and show him, judge not lest you be judged. So let's see how the scripture can apply to my life and to your life. So let's start with verses one and two. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. First, I wanna to talk to you about what the scripture is not saying. The scripture is not saying that we should just suspend our ability to perform cr critical judgment and discern from right and from wrong. You know, there's a popular tattoo that you'll see or a t-shirt that says, only God can judge me. 
And uh, some of you may know that Tupac, a popular artist, literally had a song that said, only God can judge me. And people like to use this scripture to say, hey, see, even God says, only God can judge. So don't judge me for what is right and what is wrong. But this is not what God is saying. God is not saying that we should suspend the God-given abilities to be able to have spiritual discernment. God is not saying that we should suspend our ability to discern from what is right and what is wrong. If we look at the scriptures itself, we see in earlier sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, what does Christ say? Christ says that we should not be like the Pharisees and that our holiness should be not in line with the holiness of the Pharisees. We should be greater than the Pharisees. Even later in the scripture itself, it says, do not give what is holy to dogs. And don't worry, we will come back to that scripture. Uh, he also says later in the scripture to beware of false prophets. So let's not, get, let's not twist this scripture into something that is not. Let's not make it into something that it clearly is not what Christ is saying. Christ is not saying, hey, I've given you God-given abilities to be able to judge right from wrong, but now I'm asking you to suspend that ability. Rather, he is asking us to use that actively, and he clearly states that as we read the scriptures. So what exactly is Christ forbidding? He is forbidding the type of judgment that is harsh and that is negative, the type of judgment that really just tears people down versus builds people up. And you and I all know the type of judgment that we're talking about, the type of judgment that comes from a place of superiority, Look who I am. Look how smart I am. Look how holy I am. Look how capable I am. And all of a sudden, we begin to nitpick and to judge the people around us, our loved ones, our siblings, our spouses. You know, we have 20-20 vision when it comes to the, uh, the faults of those around us, and we begin to judge and to nitpick in a way that is damaging and tears people down. That is the type of judgment that Christ is saying that we need to hold back on. That is the type of judgment that he is warning against. And so what happens? It, when we begin to judge in that way, all it does is tear people down versus begin to build people up. And Christ is saying that we will be judged with the same measure that we use to judge other folks. Can you imagine for a second that if Christ were to judge us the same way we judge others, if Christ were to judge every little sin that we commit the way that we judge the faults of our loved ones, maybe our siblings and our spouses, where would we be? What hope would we have? We would have none. So Christ is saying that we will be judged with the same tenacity, the same tone, and the same harshness that we judge. So this scripture is really saying we are not to judge in a way that tears people down. We are not to judge our brothers and our sisters in a way that's going to leave them crumbled on the floor. But Christ is actually saying that we need to be generous in our judgment just like Christ was generous. We're not to go around acting like we don't see sin and, and we don't see right from wrong, but we are supposed to be generous in our judgment, just like Christ was generous to us. You know, let's take a look at verses 3 and 4. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? 
I want you to visualize something with me. I want you to think about a person that has a plank in their eye, trying to perform the delicate and precise operation of removing a speck from somebody else's eye. This person that has this plank, they are physically debilitated. You know, think about a plank. It's, it's not a small thing. I was going to go get a two-by-four from uh, Lowe's just to help you visualize it. But think about that. They have this plank. They are physically debilitated. They can't see clearly. Their eyes are watering. They're likely not able to move and function properly. And they're going to come up to you and perform this very delicate, microscopic, intricate procedure of removing this little speck from your eye. I mean, the whole visual is ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But that's what Christ is showing us, an illustration for us to really begin to visualize what's happening here. Um, many of you know Jocelyn. I don't know if she's here. Jocelyn is an uh, eye doctor. So imagine that if you had an issue with your eye. Yes, Jocelyn's right there. Awesome. Uh, Jocelyn's right here. Imagine if you had a really bad issue with your eye. You had a, maybe a, an infection or a speck or something, and you decide, hey, I'm going to go see Dr. Jocelyn. I need to get my eye taken care of. And you're like all in pain, and then she comes out with this thing sticking out of her eye. And she says, hey, I'm ready to help you, Mike. Let me take a look at your eye. Let me see really close. Uh, hopefully I didn't poke his eye. You know, <laughs> you know, and then she starts to pull out, I don't know, whatever she pulls out, her stethoscope and her microscope, uh, those types of tools. And she starts to you know, uh, analyze her eye. What would you say? You would say, hey. Jocelyn, doctor, you should go see a doctor and get that issue taken care of. And by the way, let me know which doctor you're going to because I'm right behind you. I'd like to go to that doctor as well. But unfortunately, that's what happens. We have a tendency uh, to not even realize that we have a plank in our eye. And so Christ is saying, recognize that you have this plank. We are walking around with a severe injury but we're pretending that it's just a small speck. You know, we walk around like we have the common cold, but in actuality, we have Ebola. We're walking around. I don't know why you're walking around with Ebola. You should be quarantined in some hospital, uh, or you could be in some fairy tale land like New York where you could be bowling. Um, and so you have Ebola, and your friend is there, and they sneeze, and you're vomiting, and you're coughing, and you walk up to that brother and say, hey, you should really get that, that checked out. I just heard you sneeze. You need to go, get the go to have the doctor take a look at that. It doesn't make any sense. You know, we think we ate some spicy food and we have indigestion when we really need heart surgery. We, we have a heart condition and we need to have open heart surgery. And John George can help you with that. That is the issue that Christ is talking about here. That we are the masters of being able to over-exaggerate and over-exemplify the sins of our other brothers and sisters and completely be ignorant and deny the speck or the plank or the infection that we have in our own eye. And Christ is saying that we need to recognize the plank before we can do anything about helping our brothers and sisters that have a speck. You know, an example of that is when we're dealing with our loved ones, right? whether it's your spouse or your sibling, you know, they're always at fault, and we're always the angels. You know, she is never on time, never. I am always on time and ready to go. 
She is always a mess. The house is a mess. I always keep it so clean. I don't really keep the house that clean. Uh, she is always, he, okay, I'll say he. He is always wasting so much money, but I keep every penny, every penny. He is always in a bad mood, but I am just a ray of sunshine every day. Christ is saying that we have like a 4K, 65-inch 4K TV, you know, HD to see the faults of those around us. And then when we're looking at our own faults, we're using a 1950s black and white 13-inch tube TV. And that's how we see our sins versus the sins of our, our brothers and sisters and spouses and siblings. And Christ is saying, no, 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 no. We need you to go out and buy a projector, a 120-inch high-definition 3D projector and we need to recognize that we have a plank protruding profusely from our own eye. So that's the first step. Christ is saying acknowledge the plank that we have in our eye. If we go on to verse 5, it says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, it's really interesting that Christ uses the word hypocrite because he uses that same word in chapter 6 as he describes the Pharisees, and we know the Pharisees are individuals that he has cut out of the kingdom. And so he uses this word because he is asking his children, don't be like these Pharisees. These Pharisees were in fact the masters of being able to identify and judge the faults of others. We see that they do that in John chapter 8. They bring this woman who was caught in adultery, and they basically have already judged her. They've already pronounced judgment. And they've, they're bringing her there for the express purpose of humiliating her and tearing her down and basically just making a spectacle in front of everyone there is to see and, of course, to test Jesus. And I love what Jesus says. I love it. I love it. He's like the master. He is the master, king of kings, lord of lords, all that. He's the master. He says, hey, idiots. He doesn't use the word idiots. Let him who is without sin among you throw the first stone. Let him who is without sin among you throw the first stone. I mean, he just gets this bright light and he shines it upon their faces to, to allow them to see the plank that is in their own eye. He takes this bright light and says, hey, look at the plank in your eye before you bring this woman here to be judged. Look at the plank that is in your eye before you bring this woman to be judged. And so he uses this word hypocrite to underscore the, the importance of this issue, that we are not to be like the Pharisees, and we are not to judge lest we be judged. So Christ admonishes us, children, do not be like the hypocrites. But what does he tell us to do next? It says, first, first, take the log out of your own eye. So we've acknowledged that we have a, a, a plank, a log. And now he's saying, first, take the log out of your own eye. And that means we have to accept it, we have to confess it, and we need to go after our sin the same way, with even more tenacity, with even more ferociousness, with even more vigor, then we go after the faults and, and shortcomings of our brothers and sisters. We need to go after our sin with such vigor and tenacity that we can perform the procedure effectively. 
And you see, when we begin to perform this procedure, we're going to learn a ton. We're going to learn about this process of pulling this plank out of your eye, right? You're going to learn about the tools you need to use. You're going to learn about maybe the books you need to read. You're going to learn about the individuals you need to consult. Maybe you need to consult some doctors. Maybe you need to consult other individuals. You're going to learn a ton about what it takes to get this plank, to get this drumstick, to get this pen, to get this thing out of your eye. You're going to learn a ton. And what's going to happen? Two things are going to happen. One is you're going to see more clearly. You're going to be able to see more clearly, and you're going to be able to be more knowledgeable to be able to help your brothers and sisters take the speck out of their eye once you undertake that process. You see, we had a financial seminar here a couple months ago, and we had uh, Freddie and Jake that were leading that seminar. And they had some incredibly wonderful and insightful information about investing and saving and paying down debt and you know, all kinds of great stuff, creating a budget. And you could tell that they were drawing from all that they studied, but you could also tell that they were drawing from their own personal experiences. And so as they began to teach about investing and saving, they were also including some of their life experiences as well as to how they were able to save more effectively, how they were able to invest more effectively, how they were able to pay down debt and all these strategies. Um, it, was, it just really brought it to life. And you knew that they knew what they were talking about because they had gone through the process. And they had learned something through the process. And now they were able to help those that were sitting there because they had learned and they had personal experiences and the people were able to walk away saying, yes, I get it. He was able to go through this process. He, they actually sympathize with my issue. I'm, I'm drowning in debt and they were able to deal with that issue effectively and they were able to learn a ton. Similarly, we need to do the same thing. We need to take that plank out of our eye because we're gonna gain a, a greater and deeper and more effective knowledge of the gospel. We're going to learn what it means to love God and to live holy. We're going to begin to truly understand what it means to, to flee sin and to walk with Christ. We're going to gain a better understanding of his love for us and his love uh, that allows us to be effective in removing this plank. We're going to gain a better understanding of the work that he did on the cross. And ultimately, we'll be able to gain a much better understanding of the gospel. So Christ is saying, brothers and sisters, first, do this hard work of removing this plank that is in your eye because you are going to learn more about the gospel than you've ever known. You know, it's, you know we, we come to Christ, we know him, we accept him, but it's this process of removing the plank that allows us to gain a better understanding and appreciation of how holy he is and how sinful we are. It's going through that sanctification process that's going to allow us to be more effective in helping our brothers and sisters. And so it says in that same verse, then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Then you will be able to see clearly. Because as the gospel sanctifies us, we're going to be able to be better equipped to help our brothers and sisters in a more loving and a more edifying way. You see, without the gospel... Our immediate tendency is to judge harshly. Our immediate tendency is to be rough and not be able to sympathize and understand what our brothers and sisters are going through. But after we go through that process, we're going to be able to help our brothers and sisters. But I do want us to understand 
that helping our brothers and sisters remove the speck from their eye is not an option. It's not like this optional thing that we have. We must remove the plank that is in our eye, and we must, we must, we must, hear me, help our brothers and sisters remove the speck that is in their eye. You might say, hey, what does that mean? Why? Why are you so adamant about that, Dennis? Well, imagine if your child fell. If you have a child or a nephew or a niece and they fell on the ground and they have a cut, what are you going to do? You're going to immediately go and you're going to try to tend to their wounds and you're going to help them because you don't want this small cut to end up becoming something that's infected and end up becoming something that's worse. You want to deal with this while it's something small. Or imagine you have a, a friend or a family member and they're walking around with a cough and they're coughing day after day or week after week and that cough isn't getting better. What are you going to do? Are you going to just stand there and allow that to happen? You're going to intervene. And you're going to say, hey, brother, you need to go get that checked out. You don't want this common cold to end up becoming walking pneumonia. Why? Because you love them and you care about them. And you don't want the small thing to end up causing even greater physical harm. And in the same way, we are to love our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And when we love our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are going to want to go after that speck before it becomes something that is, spiritually, uh, that is going to spiritually harm them. We're going to want to go after that speck hard because we don't want that little speck to end up becoming something infectious that is going to cripple their spiritual life. You know, when we forget the gospel, we have a limited understanding and we end up judging harshly. But when we soak ourselves in the gospel and when we remove that plank, we are going to be better equipped to help remove that speck from our brother's eyes in a loving and an edifying manner. And so just like we must remove the plank, we must today, church, remove the speck that is in our brother's eyes. And so what does that mean? We are called to live that out in our soul care communities. So Seven Mile Road Church, for those that are new, uh, we have these communities that meet on a weekly basis. The brothers meet with the brothers, the sisters meet with the sisters, and it's an opportunity to be open. It's an opportunity to hold each other accountable. It's an opportunity to share uh, what's happening, what are we struggling with. And so many times, myself, number one, A number one, uh, you know, view that as an opportunity, is like a confessional, right? We view that as a confessional. Here's an opportunity for me to just unload and, 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 and talk about all the things that I may be, uh, that I may have screwed up and, and, and sin in my life, which is great. That is an opportunity to do that and to, to tackle the plank that is in your own eye. And that's what we should be doing. And we should be calling our brothers and sisters to help us. But I would say just as important is the opportunity to help our brothers and sisters remove the speck that is in their own eye. Just as important for soul care is the opportunity to help our brothers and sisters who are struggling with sin, who are struggling with their own challenges and issues. God is asking us, do we love our brothers? Do we love our sisters? Do we love them in word or do we love them in deed? And if we actually love them, we are going to come there and be active participants to help our brothers and sisters who are struggling with the speck in their eye. You know, there's so many uh, weeks. Uh, they, uh, Joe knows because he sends it out every week and says, hey, can anybody get together for soul care? And I look at that text and I say, 
this is a busy week. You know, I just I have 10 hours of work. You know, and honestly, I've been so busy, I don't even think I had time to sin this week. You know, there's nothing I have to confess. I've been so busy, I just haven't even been able to sin. So I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I really need to go and talk to, to Joe or anybody about. And then I go through this wrestling, and then ultimately, yeah, you know, I'll be there. I'll, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'll, I'll be there. Or sometimes I may say I'm not coming because all, it's all about me. It's all about me. I'm sitting there thinking about myself and my condition and my sin and where am I with the Lord and do I need to be there and did I sin or not sin. And God taught me that that is the most uh, self-centered and self-righteous way to think about soul care. And God has been working in my heart to say, Dennis, that's, not, that's, that's only a part of the equation. The second half of that part of the equation is to be there for your brothers that may be struggling. And you may say, Dennis, you have, it, that's hard. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help this guy. I don't even know how to help myself. I barely found my way to this place, let alone helping this brother with some issue that he has. And I say, fine, be there. Be there and listen. Be there and take it in. Be there and walk out of that place and pray and pray and pray. And you may not say one word that night. You may have nothing to say to your brother to speak some kind of encouragement. You may sit there and feel like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. And I'll tell you how you can help. You can go back home and get on your knees and pray. Pray that that speck does not become an infection. Pray that that speck does not tear that person apart. Pray that that speck doesn't end up tearing their marriage apart. Pray that that speck doesn't lead them to pornography. Pray that that speck doesn't lead them into some other type of sin. Pray for your brothers and sisters. We are called to remove the speck that is in the eye of our brothers and sisters today. So soul care isn't just about, hey, come and confess. Soul care is about being there to be able to hear and listen and encourage and edify. And we will be able to do that as we tackle the plank that is in our own eye. Verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You know, I feel like I always end up getting some, you know, wacky scripture that makes no sense. And then I have to like get stressed out and I email people and nobody responds and, and then I end up having to read some commentaries and try to figure out, you know, what, what is God saying here? And so this can be a very difficult uh, passage to wrap our head around, but we see that Christ, one, let's acknowledge one thing, that he uses very direct language uh, throughout the scripture. I can relate to that. I appreciate his uh, directness. Um, you know, at, at times he says... You know, here he's saying, do not give dogs what's holy, do not give pigs, blah, blah, blah. Then he also says earlier uh, about Pharisees. He talks about Pharisees and says, calls them hypocrites. He calls them snakes. He calls them broods of vipers. Um, you know, we know that when he overturned uh, tables uh, of the money changers and he called them uh, robbers. And so he is a very direct, let's acknowledge that Christ is very direct, Right? There's no black and white. You know what he's saying. And so in this situation as well, he is being very direct. And so as I read the commentaries, I think there were really two schools of thought. There was one school of thought that said, hey, this is about individuals that are not in the kingdom. 
and they've, uh, they, they haven't accepted the gospel. And so they're, they're simply not in the kingdom. He decides to use some direct language about that, and they, are just, they haven't accepted the gospel. Uh, he also, uh, there were other commentaries that said, hey, no, this is more about individuals that have heard the gospel time and time again, and they've actively rejected Christ. They've rejected him, and they don't want to hear the gospel. They've rejected Christ. So, I mean, I think what we can conclude is that these are individuals that are not Christians. These are individuals that have not accepted the gospel, and these are individuals that need to know the love of Christ. And consequently, these are not folks that we should be going after to remove their speck, right? These are not individuals that we should be going after to go and, and remove a speck out of their eye the way we've been talking about with our brothers and sisters that are in the Lord. These are individuals that need to hear something greater. They need to hear about the love of Christ. They need to hear about the gospel. You know, Paul states in 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. So it is not our responsibility to go and judge our fellow neighbors and friends and co-workers in the same way that we are talking about exercising judgment for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's not our responsibility necessarily to go and talk about, hey, why, I, I saw that you have this speck in your eye. You know, I saw that you're living in sin. I saw that you're, you're lying or you're, 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 you're doing this and you're doing that. You're stealing. You're doing these little sins. That's not our responsibility to go after these specks. But what we should be doing is going after them with the love of Christ. What we should be doing is going after them with the gospel. If we go after them with just uh, this narrow focus of judgment, the way we go after our, our brothers and sisters in the Lord and talk about their speck, they're going to reject that. They're going to trample that under their feet. They're going to be confused. They're going to say, why are you talking to me about this little sin? When we need to be talking to them about Christ and his death on the cross, and how that death on the cross can wash away your sin and mine. So we need to go after them hard with the gospel. We need to go after them hard with the love of Christ. That is what Christ is asking us to do. You know, I praise God that even when we had these planks in our eyes, that Christ moved towards us and not away from us. He didn't judge us harshly in our lowest state, the way we deserve to be judged. But rather, he pursued us all the way to the cross. You know, he came to this earth as a man, and he came and he lived this perfect life. He had no planks in his eye. There were no planks to be found in his eye in, his, in the 33 years that he lived in this world. But yet, they hung him on the cross. They beat him, they persecuted him, and ultimately, they hung him on the cross, and he died. But praise God that three days later, he rose again. And we were doomed to this eternal damnation, but because Christ came and died on the cross, we are able to enjoy eternal life. And what Christ is saying here now in this scripture is that we need to embrace this gospel. We need to love this gospel. We need to grow in our understanding of this gospel so that we are able to go after the plank in our eye more effectively, so that we are able to go and help our brothers and sisters who have a speck in their eye, so that we can help those who don't know the gospel understand the gospel and understand the love of Christ. And ultimately, 
that we would be able to judge the right way, not the harsh way, but in a generous way, the same way Christ judged us. May God bless you with these words.